Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us today. Today in the show, we're going to talk about scouting in soybean fields. And quite frankly, it's scouting in any fields. I don't care what your crop is, but scouting at this time of year is very important. So we want to talk about some of the things you may be finding out there, some of the things you may need to look for. If you've got any questions for us or if there's anything you'd like to talk about that's going on on your farm, our phone number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, agphdmedia, Darren Hefty or Brian Hefty. So to begin the show today, before I say anything else, I'll just tell you, um, I as a farmer, and just speaking for myself here, uh, I get a little frustrated when I see ridiculous government reports like the one that came out last week saying our corn acres are up from last year. <laughs> I mean, it just makes us look dumb around the world when our government's saying that our acres are up and we all know that the acres are down. Go ask any seed company how their year was and they'll tell you. Uh, so anyway, th- those things are a little bit frustrating, but I, I guess I'm super optimistic about this season's crop because there is good potential for the the crop that did get in, not only for profit, but just when we start taking a look at yield, there are a lot of things that can be done as the season progresses here. And that's why we wanted to talk about this late season or mid-season, depending on the crop you're talking about, scouting. And specifically, like with soybeans, there's just so far to go. In South Dakota, the report that came out on June 1st said that only 6% of the the state's acres were planted. 6% on June 1st. I mean, it's the lowest I think it's ever been. Now, when we talk about that, okay, that means that all these acres that got planted in South Dakota, for example, the state that we farm in, that means they all got planted in June for the most part. So right now you're talking a lot of four inch and six inch tall beans. So this July one scouting is usually what we're dealing with the first or maybe second week of June. So it's a little bit different. We're looking for some different things. So it's too early for soybean aphids, for example. But what what do we have out there right now? Well, number one, we got a lot of weeds. And the problem is yesterday was the cutoff date for several states. June 30th, June 30th was the cutoff for spraying dicamba. Okay, well, if you can't spray dicamba, now what are you going to do if you had extend beans? If the Roundup doesn't work and you can't spray dicamba anymore, what do you do? So that's where we've been talking a lot about Cobra, Cadet. Uh, some people have been asking, obviously, about Flex Starts, a fantastic product on water hemp and palmer pigweed, but the problem is 10-month rotational restriction. Well, if you want to plant corn in April next year, you can't do it, not if you spray now. So we got to think a lot about this, basically what we do now in the crop, how does that affect next year? So I guess it's it, it all ties together. I mean, I want to have a good crop this year, but I want to have a great crop next year too. Yeah, it's nice to start with a clean slate next year. It's nice when any of the products that you use this year aren't going to interrupt what's happening next year. That's how everybody wants to uh, wants to go into it, but there's some tough decisions. Yeah, there are tough decisions. I mean, if it was easy, then everybody would want to farm. So anyway, here are the things that I would suggest you're looking for out there. First of all, it's weeds. 
even though I, I realize you might be looking for all these new things, like we can talk about, you know, the biologicals, and some people are throwing molasses and sugar sources out there, plant growth regulators, humics and fulvics. So, yep, you can do it, a lot of you can do a lot of those things. But let's get back to the basics. Right. If you don't have weed control, you're not going to have top yields. Well, I, I, all those things you were mentioning, I'm like, well, those things don't don't cause issues for your next crop. You know, the the thing that's happening though this year, Brian, is these late escapes. And with the way the spring turned out, we just sometimes guys got pre's out there, didn't get a crop in for a while. They were expecting, oh, I'll be right back putting a crop in, didn't happen. Or they planted the crop and put the pre on about the same time. And it's just run out of gas with all the rainfall that we've had and and uh, just lack of crop canopy in some of these fields. So now it's what do I do that next time coming back in? It's it's tricky, you know, especially when you're talking about soybeans where some of your options are off the table now just due to the date or the growth stage. You aren't able to spray um, the, the new dicamba products and extend beans, for example, in a lot of areas. In some states, yes. R1's the cutoff. So if your beans haven't flowered yet you're fine. Even if your beans are just starting to flower, you're at R1, you're still okay as long as you haven't hit the cutoff date for your particular state. Anyway, if you are into that situation, then yeah, that's Cobra, Cadet. I mean, it's possible you could still use some first rate if let's say you had some ragweed that's not ALS resistant, maybe some cocklebur sunflower. So there certainly are a few options out there for you, but they're starting to get pretty limited. Anyway, when you're out there scouting, also, keep an eye out for insects. Incredibly important. And here's the, the problem with insects. It's very common to be out scouting one week and, oh, you don't see anything. Or maybe there's just a little bit of something. And you go out a whole week later and you find some real problems. And, like, even on our own farm last year, I'd never seen much for stink bugs. Saw a whole bunch of them last year. Japanese beetles. Hadn't really seen them much before. They're starting to increase in numbers. There are some other bugs, painted lady uh, larva or the uh, thistle caterpillar. I, I mean, just almost what I would consider weird stuff sometimes shows up out in your field. And yes, you might not reach threshold, threshold level on any one of those bugs. But if let's say you have, like last year, we had five harmful insect species in many of our soybean fields all at the same time. Well, if I'm just below threshold level with five of them, um, I'm spraying because if I add them all up, I go, whoa, we got to get out here and get spraying. We also had bean leaf beetles and we had uh, had a lot of soybean aphids too. So anyway, keep an eye out for insects. And then finally, fungicide. Uh, looking for disease. It's nice to talk about that, hey, I'm going to scout for disease, but the problem is if you see disease, you're probably already too late. So you kind of have to play the odds and you say, look, if I've had a history of disease, I've got this year weather that is, in my opinion, the perfect weather for disease in a lot of these crops. And I say, I got good yield potential, uh, at least in some fields. On those fields, I'm absolutely going to be spraying a fungicide. So we will talk today about late season or maybe mid-season scouting, especially in soybeans. Stay tuned, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Using NSERV Nitrogen Stabilizer with Fall Fertilizer Applications keeps nitrogen available into the spring for maximum crop growth. 
Field trials in Iowa show NSERV delivered an average revenue increase of $22.96 per acre, and NSERV is the only recognized nitrogen stabilizer product in the Iowa Nutrient Reduction Strategy because it reduces nitrate leaching. That's max profit in an environmentally sustainable way. Calculate your field's profit potential at nitrogenmaximizers.com. You got in the field. Well done. That wasn't an easy task this year. Now give your corn everything it needs to get the job done this season. At SideDress, adding agro-liquid nutrients to your nitrogen can economically and efficiently boost potential. It's not too late to supply the nitrogen, potassium, sulfur, and boron your corn needs to reach top yields. We can help you develop a successful nutrition program for your corn. To learn more, visit agroliquid.com. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. Customer service goes a long way when trying something new. Ryan Shaw from Michigan shares how Soil Warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation. The Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this transition extremely painless. It, one question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing. More info at SoilWarrior.com. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today, talking about uh, mid to late season scouting in soybean fields. And I know some of those fields are pretty small out there, but already there are some options that are going away just based on the calendar and with, with future crops that you may be planting. So it is a little bit different once you get into July. So we want to talk about that today. Uh, we're also taking your calls and questions throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com, or find us on Twitter, agphdmedia, Brian Hefty or Darren Hefty. Uh, let's go to the phone lines. First, we got Jamie Lecker with us. She's with Syngenta. Jamie, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks so much. You know, you've got some new and exciting things uh, for soybeans and for some other crops here, especially in the the realm of fungicides that I want to get to before I leave. Uh, but are, are there any other topics you want to start start off with, or are we going to dive right in on fungicides? Well, you know, when talking about this late season scouting, and I know that the beans are small and we're running out of options from a herbicide perspective, I think it's still important to remember that we've got to try and make sure that with the short window of opportunity that we have, that we do absolutely everything we can to try and reduce the weeds that have come through and stop any that are going to be coming. We're going to have a lot of small beans, and there's a lot of places where we're not going to canopy, and so it's critical that we've got that residual out there right now. You know, depending on where you're at, um, some places can still be using some of the low-volatility dicamba products. Um, in places we're still trying to get out a lot of Tavium, which is our low-volatility dicamba um, with dual in it for residual. So you just want to reemphasize the importance of trying to keep these weeds at bay so that we don't have more challenges next year. 
You're absolutely right about needing some residuals in this. And there's been a lot of dual and other products that have been going out in, in mixes. It's, it's amazing to me. Almost every type of soybeans, uh, whether it's a traded one or a conventional one, I'm hearing guys doing that. Can you talk about a little bit uh, from a farmer perspective, what, what should he be looking for? What should he be expecting out in the field? Well, you know, right now these beans are coming up and in most places we've got nice warm weather right now, so they're growing pretty quickly. Um, We're to a point in the year where they're going to start entering into reproductive stages pretty quickly if they haven't already. So they want to make sure that they are monitoring the growth stage of the beans to make sure that they can get their applications that they're wanting to make on label and on time. Um, and you know, that'll, once we start getting into the reproductive stages, that on-time application of the fungicide and insecticides becomes pretty important in order to get the results that we're looking for. Um, and additionally, you know, we're going to have some pretty small beans that are going to be getting hit with some diseases, uh, at a much smaller stature than what we usually have or insects even for that matter. So we want to make sure that um, they don't get a jump on us before we get some of those applications made. So it's just critical that we're out there looking in those beans and seeing what's going on. I've had a lot of guys talking about their thresholds for when they're going to pull the trigger are less this year. I, I, specifically, a number of growers in Nebraska have been talking about bugs, and they said, man, I've only got about six leaves out there. I don't want to lose any more of them. I, I want to get after any of these problems before they get out of hand. Is that something you're seeing where you're at too? Yeah, we are. And I think part of the problem is is that in some places these um, insects, you know, whether it be bean leaf beetle or thistle, thistle caterpillar, they've been out eating the growth of the soybeans because we had been so cool for so long and so wet that they just weren't growing very fast. Um, another part of that, too, is that we really need to take the multi-pest complex into consideration and be looking at all the different pests that are out there and not just looking at that threshold for uh, bean leaf beetle or stink bug, you know, we've got to look at what else is in the field as well and kind of make a judgment when you combine those together, what kind of losses do we think we might have? And so those insecticides like an indigo can be really beneficial in making sure that we're holding those back for the long term and not having to come back and retreat. All right. Talk about what's going on with fungicides, because uh, since since we're talking today, you get some pretty exciting ones with three modes of action and uh, certainly getting a lot of attention with growers. Yeah, we're really excited. We're launching Miravis Neo this year, and uh, we do have three modes of action. So we have an SDHI in there, a strobe, and a triazole. So we get curative and preventative activity within that fungicide. Um, the the SDHI in there is called adepidin, and it is a new active ingredient, and we get really great power spectrum and stamina with that product. So You know, it takes a low dose to be very effective. We've got activity across a broad spectrum of diseases. And in addition, that particular active ingredient really likes the waxy layer of the plant. So it kind of embeds itself in there. And when it does that, it's not available for breakdown in the environment and the plant's not metabolizing it. So it lasts a really long time. And we're seeing fantastic results in soybeans and in corn in places with Miravis Neo um, and making sure we're getting out there at the right timing depending on what diseases you're targeting. Yeah, it is It is pretty neat where we're heading with disease control, just having more options, longer-lasting options. We're really excited about that. Been talking with Jamie Lecker with Syngenta. Jamie, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on today. 
Yeah, thank you. You guys have a good day. You too. Got Mike Philly with us right now. He's an agronomist uh, down in Kansas. Mike, how's it going? It's going good, Darren. A little warm today, but we need some heat. <laughs> we, well, I know. I, I I just thought about that, too. My wife was giving me a hard time because I was complaining just a little bit over the weekend. Like, man, it's so warm out there. She's like, don't you be complaining. All you've been talking about all spring is how much heat we're going to need to make this corn uh, yeah. uh, get there by frost time. So she's right. Yeah. I was wrong, and uh, we'll yeah. welcome the heat. But, uh, yeah, it kind of is a little miserable being out there, no doubt about that. Yeah. Our lake beans need a lot of heat right now. Need some Dry weather and heat, so they're stalled out. We need some grow weather. Well, I, I would say if you're asking for dry weather and heat in Kansas, uh, July and <laughs> August are usually the right times to be wanting that because you're getting it anyway. Yeah. yeah, we're really wet this year in our end of the state, so we need some heat and dry weather for sure. All right, so with the late planting, what, what do growers do in Kansas? Did they switch up maturities a lot, or did they kind of still stick with plan A? It just got delayed in time. No, they stuck with plan A, just got delayed. We stuck with our later group beans, four threes, three nines. They'll have a better yield, it seems like, down here. Stuck with them, just planted them late. Planting just kind of is ending up in a lot of places here. Uh, but now we've got, we had our pre's on fairly early. So now we're ended up with small beans and big weeds. So we're having to go out early with our post programs and... But we've got the little beans are looking good, but they're just not growing very fast yet. You know that, that's a great point, and and uh, our, our last guest Jamie was talking about that. That you know we've mm-hmm. got uh, big weeds, small beans, and guys are having to get out early, so they're putting a lot of residuals in there. Are you seeing that in your area yeah. too? Yes, yes, I'm putting. We're having to go with a, you know, like an ultra blazer or something on some of it, but we're still putting some dual or something back with it because the beans are so small that we need some residual back in there too you know are growers talking about crop rotational intervals where you're at i know further north where where we're at it's we get cold and we're frozen for half the year it seems like maybe maybe three quarters of the year some years uh so so we're always worried about that how about in kansas where you get a little bit more heat a little longer season oh yeah we're not too worried about the cold yet uh i mean some of the areas where we've got a lot of cover crop in and then we put beans or something behind it them soils tend to be a little cooler uh we could see frost earlier there i guess but but it's going to be a, a chase to the end on this it's whether it gets frost or not some of this yeah that's for sure uh, did, do you have many unplanted acres in your area or guys putting stuff in, uh, in in all these fields? We have very little unplanted acres. Some of the crop, corn and beans, are real small. We've done a lot of foliar treatments on corn to help speed it up a little bit if we can. But beans, they went ahead and planted them. Uh, so we have most mostly all planted. Uh, guys are unwilling to take the, the no-plant. Yep, yep. Yeah, it was going to be interesting to see how that played out, and, and certainly some areas of the country uh, were stuck with more of those types of acres than others. I've been talking with Mike down in Kansas. He's an agronomist there. Mike, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Yep, thanks, Darren. Have a good day. You too. Talking about some late-season scouting and what's going on in soybeans right now and taking your calls and questions, too, at 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. 
What do you think of when you hear Palmer amaranth or water hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean field, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get rewarded with Roundup Ready Plus when you choose the proven power of Fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. You got in the field. Well done. That wasn't an easy task this year. Now give your corn everything it needs to get the job done this season. At Side Dress, adding agro liquid nutrients to your nitrogen can economically and efficiently boost potential. It's not too late to supply the nitrogen, potassium, sulfur, and boron your corn needs to reach top yields. We can help you develop a successful nutrition program for your corn. To learn more, visit agroliquid.com. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Bellum is Rotam North America's mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic fungicides from Atticus LLC. Fungal diseases can be devastating, but Acadia, Slant, and Talaris 4.5F from Atticus deliver lasting, broad-spectrum fungi control so your soybeans, sugar beets, and dry beans can thrive. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions. No one has to explain stress to a farmer. (laughs) That's like explaining wind shear to a pilot. Now, Mother Nature stresses corn the way markets, bankers, and politics can stress you. But there's a proven way to reduce stress. With Headline Amp Fungicide, you'll see the difference. It decreases stress from disease, drought, hail, and heat, so your corn can focus on what matters most, better yields. Talk to your local rep about Headline Amp Fungicide and BASF Plant Health. Always read and follow label directions. Sound the foghorn, because now there's a better way to control frog eye leaf spot in your soybean fields. Introducing Froghorn Fungicide from UPI. Froghorn not only has a unique name, it has two modes of action that deliver excellent disease control. With Froghorn, you get healthier soybeans and better yields at harvest time, and you won't be subject to strobe resistance. So get Froghorn and keep frog eye leaf spot quiet all season long. To learn more, contact your ag chemical dealer. Always read and follow label directions. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're talking today about soybeans and what's going on scouting soybean fields right now. I know one guy that's out scouting fields pretty much every day. It's Eric up in North Dakota. Eric, how's it going? Pretty good. How are you, Darren? Not too bad. All right. So between uh, between your Dodgers games, uh, which have been going fairly well, how's the crops doing up there? The crops look actually pretty good. The soybeans are just behind like everywhere. Uh, the corn is starting to catch up now with some heat and, and plenty of moisture. Um, the small grains look really good. Uh, it's just uh, about time for flag leaf fungicide and, and uh, scab protection control. 
Yeah, that's the fun thing about farming. We get get a lot of non-farmers that listen to our show too, and they're like, it always sounds like guys are busy. Well, when you get in an area like where where you farm, there there's so many crops going on. It's like, man, I got to do this in my wheat, but I got to be doing this in my soybeans at the same time, and the corn needs something else. Uh, how do you prioritize all that? Uh, it's just, I don't know, one thing we do is try and spread the risk early by put, by getting all the by focusing on getting the pre's on all the soybeans, first of all, and then kind of watching the weather and, and timing a pre or an early post on the on the corn. And then uh, that just takes the pressure off some, takes the pressure off later when you're trying to do, you know, all, all three different things. You can at least buy yourself some time if you get into some wet weather like we have this year. I mentioned the pre's on the soybeans. How are they holding up this year? I would assume you've seen a big difference between the fields that didn't get a pre on versus the ones that did but how are the pre's hanging in there they still have some juice left or are they running out of gas uh they're starting to run i always had about five weeks now i guess on the, or you know five four to six weeks depending on the planning date on the 30 mtz and we did some of the zidua pro this year that actually looks pretty good um just to kind of try it out but the authority seems to be starting to wear off now water hemp's just starting to come through so, you know, looking at this year, we've seen more ragweed hitting our area than, than we've seen in a long time. Is there any weed that you say, wow, I'm kind of surprised that I'm seeing more of this? Uh, no, I'd have to agree with you. Ragweed, ragweed is, uh, I don't know, I've come across two different fields this year where it's, the authority first didn't even touch it. So, I mean, it's, it's obviously ALS resistant and it hasn't been in the past. So, um, it just puts, puts the, you know, mix up your pre's the following year whenever you're going to put soybeans back on it. But I'd say definitely common ragweed is going to be the toughest one now. You know, you mentioned uh, mentioned three different main crops there, and I think crop rotation certainly helps uh, delay the onset to some of these resistant weeds. Uh, are, are you having trouble in any of the other crops this year? Are you seeing any issues in, in wheat with anything that was tough? Um, no, not really. The wheat, you know, wheat typically follows you know, soybeans, and we had a good a good year last year. A lot of guys put dual out or warrant, and, and we had some timely rains to get that to work, so that you really notice that the following year in, in wheat or corn. So that, uh, you know, some years it, the, the moisture turns off when you're putting those uh, early post-residual products on. They don't work as well, but last year they were really good for us. Now, a lot of North Dakota we were hearing about all spring, oh, they're getting stuff in, they're getting stuff in. Uh, was your area like that, or did you have have a tough time getting some of these acres planted? Um, yeah, it was it was tough this year. Um, you know, conditions weren't ideal, but uh, as long as we keep getting rain throughout the year, I think we'll be all right. I, I'd say right in our area, I'm guessing about 20%, maybe 25% um, that did not get planted uh, compared to, you know, compared to the last couple of years, pretty much everything has gotten planted. Right, right. All right, Eric, uh, anything else that you're noticing out there this year that, that you'd say, wow, uh, here's something the guys got to really be aware of? Um, I guess just one thing is just the soybeans are a lot further behind. And, and one thing to uh, been trying to do this year is tissue sample more. And, and after you spray your beans, maybe just uh, do a tissue sample and see if there's anything that it's lacking in. And, and, uh, if so, you know, add it to kind of speed it up. If, if to get the soybeans back into, back into putting more vegetative matter on. 
Yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. We don't want to be short in anything. We need to push this as much as we can to to get some decent size to our beans. Uh, hey, Eric, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on, and good luck here the rest of the season. Yeah, you too. No, Brian, uh, Eric brought up the, the tissue sample in there, and I thought that was a great segue. Uh, making sure we're not short on nutrients is a big deal. Now, we can still get some nutrition out there, but – uh, you know, in dry land farming, heavy ground, low rainfall environments, normally uh, we, we've got to address a lot of that with our off-season program, yes. but there's, there's still some time to do some things in crop too. Well, you can. Yeah, it really depends on your situation. So let's say you've got sand, irrigation, long growing season, lots of heat. I mean, you abs- and lots of rainfall in your area, you can absolutely push nutrients through even things like potassium. So when we start talking about in the northern United States and the heavy ground, cold, dry, it's really tough to push potassium into the plant once you get mid-season and later. You can try some if you want to. Otherwise, you just have to do a little bit foliar and, you know, just get by as good as you can this year and then definitely address it in the future. So I'll just give you just a few tips here before we wrap up this segment of the show. When we talk about fertility in general, potassium is the most yield-limiting factor that we find in a lot of corn and soybean fields in the United States and in a bunch of southern Canada as well. And here's the problem. It's because the ratio isn't right. There's so much calcium and so much magnesium in a lot of these heavy soils I'm talking about now that potassium really becomes limiting unless you get that potassium level up into the 4 to 8% base saturation K range. And if you don't believe that, just try some on your farm where you boost the K, you're going to find better stand, you're going to find better grain quality, and typically you're going to find more yield. Now, it might take time. It might take two or three years before all that potassium you put on gets broken down. So, you know, when you're in a cold, dry environment with heavy soil, it just takes time for potassium to break down. Because think about what is potassium? It's coming from a rock. So it's not exactly a, a quick speed there. Again, it's whole different if you're in a different area uh, on, on this continent and you're somewhere warm, wet, with lots of heat. But anyway... What you want to look for with potassium is yellow on the outside edge of the lower leaves of the plant. Regardless of the crop you're raising, it's yellowing on the outside edge of the lower leaves of the plant. If you see that, you've already lost a dramatic amount of yield. So I hope you don't have that. I hope you just detect in tissue tests, oh, I see I'm a little bit low. Yeah, it's it's less likely that you're going to see that show in soybeans. I haven't seen it yep. in very many soybean fields in my lifetime where it gets to that point. But the the thing I'd like to point out, Brian, is that you don't have to see those yellowed edges of leaves right. to already be losing yield. That's why I say hopefully you just pick it up in the tissue test or you see it in the soil test because if you see it on the plant, yeah, you've got a major problem. Okay, here are just a few other tips. Uh, Bugs, if you're out scouting for insects, look for all different species. And if you don't know what the bug is, find out. It's like I was saying a little bit ago. Okay, we never really had much for stink bugs on our farm. Had a whole bunch of them last year. Well, stink bugs are a problem. They are a harmful insect to soybeans and many other crops. Uh, Japanese beetles. I I mean, there, there are a lot of bugs that you may not be familiar with just because you're not familiar with them doesn't mean they can't be harmful so find out what you've got and then find out what some of the threshold levels are also keep in mind when crop prices go up and insecticide prices are cheap the threshold levels are usually very very low don't look at the 20 or 30 year old thresholds that doesn't do you any good with today's economics in terms of weeds i mentioned cobra earlier for soybeans 
throw a little boron with it. Throw a little solubor with it because a lot of times we see leaf burn with cobra. That leaf burn is lessened when you have good levels of micronutrients in the plant, especially boron. And boron is one that you can foliar your feed with. It also leaches through the ground, goes in through the soil relatively easily, especially if you have lighter soil and lots of rain. Cobra also has good fungicidal properties for white mold. So we found Cobra to be almost as good as Endura, actually, if you spray it right before flowering or maybe right as flowering is getting going. Uh, in terms of disease control, in corn, I, I, just something a little different for you, try some pre-tassel corn fungicide. Um, we've had a number of high-yield farmers say the pre-tassel applications have been good. Just make sure you don't have adjuvants in there. And then with soybeans, if you're going to spray plant health benefits, if you're just after plant health, no disease, consider spraying it R2 or R3. What we find is lower ethylene production, which means basically we have less premature death. We also find lower or more antioxidants, which means the plants are cooler. We have a cooler temperature in the plant, and then obviously disease control too. Well, we're going to get to your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag coming up next. Your independent spirit is more rewarding than ever before. Unlike incentive programs that require growers to purchase a particular seed brand or to bundle certain products, the FMC Freedom Pass program rewards you for making the best choices for your fields. You decide what's best for your operation from pre-plant to harvest. Your retailer and FMC take care of the rest. It's really that simple. The exclusive agronomic rewards, performance assurances, application innovations, and product financing of the FMC Freedom Pass program make it easier to protect your crops and cash flow. That's what we mean when we say we give you more freedom in the field. You'll experience more control and confidence, too. Generics and imitators can't promise that. Visit your authorized FMC retailer or fmcfreedompass.com to calculate your potential financial incentive and learn more. As your corn crop grows and the ear begins to form, potassium is at a high demand, almost as high as nitrogen. The same is true for soybeans with similar high demands of potassium during pod fill. Don't fall behind and ensure your crop is getting its potassium with Catalyst. Catalyst by Actigrow has been shown to be the best at entering the leaf when compared to other leading potassium products. Visit k-supercharged.com for more information. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic insecticides from Atticus LLC. Unwanted insects are a nuisance, but they're no match for Serpent from Atticus. Serpent delivers economical, fast-acting, broad-spectrum control to help your corn, soybeans, and wheat crops thrive. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions. Foliar sprays are only effective if you can get applied product into the plant. Nutex EDA is a micronutrient-based additive that delivers the foliar absorption boost you've been looking for. Nutex EDA supports rapid penetration and translocation of both nutrients and systemic crop protection within plants. Research trials have shown a 10 to 20% increase in nutrient absorption and higher tissue levels for a longer period, resulting in higher yields. Use Nutex EDA this season with all your foliar applications. Every season, you try to raise the bar to achieve your best corn yield ever, but disease can stand in the way like gray leaf spot, northern corn leaf blight, anthracnose leaf blight, and southern rust. New Delaro fungicide can stop them. 
two different modes of action work on the diseases for the entire spray interval, delivering best-in-class dual mode of action residual efficacy for extended performance. It's the help you need for personal best yields. Keep raising the bar with Delaro from Bayer. Always read and follow label instructions. It's the mailbag, the mighty mailbag. Ask the questions with glee. It's the mailbag, the mighty mailbag with Brian and Darren Hefty. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. And yes, it is time for the Ag PhD mailbag. First one comes from Barb. She said, uh, I'm just curious about the Ag PhD field day. We're thinking about attending, but we're not sure if we're going to be able to make it yet. I'm wondering, should we register uh, and then we could always cancel later or what works best for you? Oh, I thought you were going to answer that. Uh, yes, we would like to have you registered. That'd be great. You don't have to register to attend, but we'd love to have you registered. If you have to cancel out later, no big deal. But anyway, if we have a better idea, roughly, of how many people are showing up, that would help us. We've had about 10,000 farmers each of the last three years. So it's been a great, fun event. We have a lot of things going on that day. So we would love to have, really, any of our listeners, any of our viewers of Ag PhD TV. Uh, attend the Ag PhD Field Day. It's just a free event that we do every year on our farm to say thanks to you for watching and listening to Ag PhD. We really, really appreciate it. We've got a lot of fantastic guest speakers lined up, world record holders in corn, soybeans, wheat, barley, as well as a number of other yield champs from across the continent and really around the world. And they're there not only to speak to you, but also to show you what they're doing in the field because they've got plots they've been managing right on our farm all season long. Now, granted, they haven't been on our farm. They've been managing this remotely. But with today's technology, between pictures and data transfer and seeing soil tests and, and weekly tissue tests, they make decisions on that crop. And so anyway, it's just it's so much more interactive than just going and listening to somebody speak. We have a number of other great guest speakers lined up, too, on things like grain marketing and estate planning, a uh, bunch of other stuff. We've got, we're going to have an air show during the day. We've got free food and drinks and kids' entertainment, um, things for non-farming spouses as well. So anyway, it'll be a lot of fun. Just go to agphd.com to learn more or to pre-register. All right. Thanks for the question. Got, got, uh, oh, let's go back to the phone lines here. We've got Andrew on with us right now in Wisconsin. Uh, talk a little foliar feeding here in soybeans. Andrew, how are you doing? Pretty good. How are you guys? Good, good. So have you been pulling plant tissue analysis or, or why do you think foliar feeding would be a good thing for your beans? Well, um, there's a lot of areas that we're just low on soil test levels and we've seen deficiencies in plants, particularly potassium. And there's a lot of potassium products out there. Um, I've been using manganese just with glyphosate applications for the uh, manganese clash, um, trying to help overcome some of that. And, yeah, I think I've seen pretty good responses from foliar applications. But I guess my main question is, you know, is there a particular timing that you guys have seen works the best? Um, there's a lot of the weather, the vegetative stage um, works good for that application versus the reproductive stage like what you do on your fungicide application and then also uh, there's a lot of products out there that contain uh, cytokine and protein or jib acid and what are your thoughts on those products to help uh, speed up growth 
Okay, all great questions there, Andrew. We appreciate that. I would first say on the timing thing, it really varies. We have seen up and down results going foliar feeding in any crop. Now, you have some history. You've done some things, and if you found stuff that works, that's awesome, and we're probably going to tell you stick with that. The one thing I would say, since you since you mentioned manganese with the glyphosate, we've also been using some of those plant growth hormones you just mentioned there. Uh, Mega Grow is the product we've been using. It's got a couple different plant growth hormones. That has actually helped reduce that yellow flash with glyphosate as well. Uh, anyway, in terms of the potassium, you, you may want to be just a little bit earlier than this, but we have typically found the best results, at least in our operation with a lot of farmers we work with at that kind of R2, R3 timing. But I would say this, if you're out there doing plant tissue analysis every week and you start seeing something drop, hey, we've got a real problem. Uh, this year, I just think we've got a lot of potential because I personally think the markets are going to be going up. And if you look at the amount of rainfall we've had, the humidity, everything else, we've had fairly decent growing conditions on the acres that actually did get in. So anyway, I, I, I do think there's plenty of potential there. But yeah, I, I'm going to look at tissue tests probably if I'm going to try to fine tune it. Otherwise, I'll probably just run with whatever whatever you've had success with or like on my farm, whatever I've had success with. So usually for us, it's been kind of that R2, R3 timing in soybeans. We've tried a bunch of stuff in the vegetative stages, just haven't really seen a whole lot. One last thing that I'll say, since you mentioned your K levels had been low and you've seen that, that kind of being low before, the best thing for us, the best money we've spent on that potassium deal, yes, we've done some foliar feeding. That's helped a little bit when we've been real low. So I'm not saying don't do that, but going forward, if you own the ground, I would just really encourage anybody out there to build those soil test levels, especially when you're in a colder climate like we are in the northern United States and we have heavier soils. Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks for the call, Andrew. Appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. All right, Brian, I'll hand you some uh, tissue and soil test information from New Jersey. This is from Kevin. Uh, he said, uh, we're, we're just getting going on this plant tissue testing. Don't know a lot about it just yet, but uh, I've got some samples here that I pulled just waiting on the next sample results to come back. But in the meantime, just curious what you think about this. This is corn that we're really pushing to try to get in that 300 bushel range. Uh, we have top dressed already with 120 pounds of nitrogen, had some boron blended in with that. I'm curious what you think. Uh, I don't understand what those ratios are that are on the test for one thing. And also just kind of curious, we've got soil tests and, uh, and tissue tests from the same spot. Uh, we're daily listeners to the radio show and, and look forward to your advice. Hey, thanks, Kevin. We really appreciate that. Okay, he's got several things here. First of all, in the ratios, I'll just tell you there are five ratios they have listed here. Nitrogen to sulfur, nitrogen to potassium, magnesium to potassium, potassium to calcium, and phosphorus to zinc. I, I'm, I, I look at some of those exact same things, by the way, so I don't have any issue with throwing those on, on a test, and I'm all for it. But I would say with the tissue analysis, the ratios may be a little bit different than what you're going to find with the soil analysis sometimes. But anyway, to begin with, like that nitrogen-sulfur ratio, sulfur, I was just telling somebody this morning, sulfur is a real key to nitrogen efficiency. So in other words, if you don't have enough sulfur in the plant, your plant actually needs more nitrogen to, to reach the same yield level in some cases. So you, you really want to make sure that that is addressed. 
The other thing that I see on these tissue tests that you've got is it looks like your phosphorus levels are pretty low. Okay, well with phosphorus, one of the problems is it doesn't go into the plant real well through the leaf tissue, and with phosphorus it doesn't move very well in soil either. So let's say you broadcast some phosphorus this year, and you go, well, I put phosphorus on, why is it not showing up in my test? A lot of phosphorus gets tied up in soil, especially in high soil pH. And then the other thing is when you broadcast it, since phosphorus doesn't move well in soil, your plants literally got to go find it. And your plant doesn't just magically know where it's at. So that's why a lot of times with phosphorus, we'll say banding is a more efficient way to use it so we know that the plant's got a better chance to find it this year. Now, long term, it'll probably be fine. If you own the ground, no big deal. But we can't have these really low levels of phosphorus. So we, I would be curious to see your soil test, too, and how it matches up with some of these things. Now, the other thing that I'll say is he had a pre nitrate test done here and it looks like nitrate in terms of pounds that was out there all the way down to let's see 10 inches deep uh, let's see and then the other one says 15 so I don't know exactly what what I'm looking at here I think this is 0 to 10 but anyway it says 72 pounds on one and 71 pounds on another now if the 120 is on top of that 72 or 71 he's not in too bad a shape but you look at at let's say your corn is two feet tall a lot of our corn is two feet tall maybe a little bit more than that right now in terms of nitrogen uptake you're still you got 80 percent to go roughly i mean it's a long ways so is 200 pounds still sitting there in the soil going to get you to 300 bushel yield it might if you've got high organic matter levels and you're going to have a lot of mineralization but if you don't have much organic matter you might still need just a little bit more nitrogen to get you up to that 300 bushel level hey kevin thank you for the for the questions really appreciate that you can certainly send us more tests as the year goes on too Stay tuned. We will be right back after this. Interested in strip tillage? You should know about the Soil Warrior from ETS. With one-pass efficiency, optimized nutrient placement, and reduced production costs for higher profitability, the Soil Warrior brings the future to your farm. Visit SoilWarrior.com to learn more. The Guardian Air Twin Spray Nozzle from Hypro produces a twin spray pattern with air inducted droplets for superior coverage, even in dense canopies. Be effective and efficient with your spray application this season with the Guardian Air Twin. Hypro, helping you spray better. Build with the best. When you choose Morton Buildings for your next farm storage building, you'll experience the Morton Advantage at every step, starting before the walls even go up. Since the value of our buildings is in its ability to protect what you have stored inside, we ensure that every component is researched and tested to withstand the elements in all weather conditions. And we back it up with the strongest warranty in the business. Looks better. Built stronger. Lasts longer. Learn more at MortonBuildings.com. Hey, Bill, any advice to control tough weeds and rootworms? That's easy, Jim. Buy two, save three. Wait, for weeds and rootworms? Buy two, save three. Combine your Impact or new Impact Z herbicide purchase with a qualifying insecticide and save $3 per acre. Buy two, save three. That is good advice. For details, go to buy2save3.com. Impact, Impact Z, and Buy Two Save Three are trademarks owned by Amvac Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact Z is a restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions. How do you know when to run your grain bin fans? There's an app for that. With the Steps GMS app, you can manually turn your fans on and off from your smartphone. 
You can also configure the Steps GMS app to automatically turn fans on when the humidity or temperature is ideal to keep your grain in top quality condition. Save yourself some time and take the guesswork out of managing your stored grain with the Steps GMS app. Contact us at stepsgms.com for more information. In order to be the best farmer you can be, you've got to have a grain marketing plan. But what do you do when you're too busy out in the fields trying to maximize yield? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. My brother Brian and I are always busy learning more about how to make our farm more successful. That's why we use Grain PhD to learn more about grain marketing and to work with our Grain PhD risk expert to create a complete grain marketing strategy. Visit grainphd.com to learn more about a free consultation for your operation. Clean fields and higher yields start with a strong battle plan. For soybean growers, there's no stronger ally than Sonic Herbicide. When applied pre-emerge, Sonic has proven to defeat yield robbers like water hemp, mare's tail, and giant ragweed. With long-lasting residual control, it keeps fighting to defend your field from invaders. Visit battleweeds.com to plan your attack against weeds. Always read and follow label directions. Sir, yes, sir! You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. We're right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time, where we take your calls and questions throughout the rest of the show. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD, or you can send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Uh, I got a question that came in from Lee, and he said, I got an issue. Uh, I've got a problem with large broadleaf weeds out of my corn, mainly lamb's quarters, I didn't get it sprayed right after planting because it was raining, and uh, I did some tillage prior to planting, and it just didn't take them all out. So I've got some big lamb's quarters and other broadleaves. Sells the corn. What would you recommend? Doesn't say. So okay, I had this very question this morning from an agronomist in northern South Dakota, and we were talking just about Roundup because he asked the question. Okay, Roundup aerial application. Or let's say I do it ground rig, whatever. How big can that corn really be? Just let's say I just want to go Roundup because at this point, the lamb's quarters would die from Roundup. And this is exactly what this guy was asking. So anyway, right on the label, it's going to tell you, you can go up to 24 inches, no problem with Roundup. You can actually go up to 30 inches with Roundup over the top of the crop. But between 24 and 30 inches, they'll tell you on the label, you're probably going to get better coverage on the weeds by using drop nozzles. Now, once you get past 30 inches, you're required to go drop nozzles, and you can do that all the way up to 48-inch tall corn. So in really big stuff, that's what you're going to end up having to do is go in there with drop nozzles. But yeah, that's that's probably what I'm going to use is glyphosate because, let's face it, if the corn's over 24 inches tall, status is out, HPPDs are out, you can do buck trill up to 30 inch inch tall corn, and that's not bad on, on lamb's quarters, so that is an option, but for me, I'm probably going to go round up, I'd probably throw some mega grow in to kind of safen that, and that's, I think I'd call that good. What do you think, Darren? Well, I, I agree. It's it's just a challenge. As you get into to later stages of growth, as that corn gets big, you just can't spray stuff over the top safely. So you've got to get out there when that corn's as small as possible. That's going to be one big thing. And uh, so many guys are talking about, well, 
Uh, if I'm going to have to go drop nozzles, I'm going to have to invest a little bit in equipment. Yep. I, I would much rather That's do that right. than take a chance of dinging my crop up. Right. So if it's Roundup Ready corn, then we're going Roundup. Otherwise, if it's conventional corn, we're going to say buck troll. All right. Well, th- there you go. Thanks a lot for the question. Really appreciate that, Lee. Uh, got uh, one from Charles here, and he said, I got a question. I used Resicor post-emerge on corn. That was about two weeks after it emerged. Now it's four weeks later, and or it's two weeks after that application, and there's a lot of brittleness and corn goosenecking or bending. I'm wondering if there's anything we can do at this point of the year. It's too late for me to replant. Is there anything I can do to lessen the effects of the Resicor, I'm assuming it's the stinger that may be causing me the problems. I've never seen that, ever. Not ever in my life. And I've been around stinger for the last 20 years. So I don't think it's that at all. I think there was something else in there, if that's making your corn brittle or goosenecking. That it's it's not stinger. I, I, I've never seen that out of any of the things in Resicor. Unless it was a crazy high... Uh, rate of product apply, but I highly I, doubt that. Well, I, I agree yeah, with you. I my first thought if you're was going a quart and a quarter. I mean, I I don't know. My first thought was something else was in the tank, and my yes. suspicion is two four D. Yes, uh, I'm wondering if you use two four D in your burn down anywhere because I or think pastures. you had some two four D. Yep, yep. I agree. Uh, now it could have been a drift issue. That's possible. Yep. But if you're seeing similar things fence row to fence row, it's something that was in your own tank. Okay, so Resicor is Surpass, it's Stinger, and it's Callisto. And we don't see brittleness. We don't see, um, you know, this, uh, I mean, issue with any kind of lodging. Uh, I just, we don't, yeah, I, I don't know. All I know is I seriously doubt Resicor is the problem. But what do you do now? You try to treat that crop as gently as you possibly can, I, and so that might mean fungicide. Uh, you could try some foliar fertilizer, but you know, goosenecking—you don't really ever recover from that. So, no, I mean, you can still make yield, and you can still make yep, your crop. Absolutely. So that I, it's not about a replant situation at this point. If it's but, too late to replant, then you got to ride it up. Yep. But the one thing I would say is you've got to harvest early. So make sure that that's one of your very first fields you harvest because you don't want that stuff going down, and obviously it's got much more of a chance to go down. All right. Thanks for the for the question. We appreciate that. This one comes from Daniel, and he said, uh, "I am doing some gardening. I'm I'm mainly growing tomatoes, onions, and sweet corn, and I'm having a challenge with pigweeds, and I'm also having trouble with ants. Now, I've tried Dual in the past or Metolachlor, and it's done a good job taking care of the pigweed for me overall." But my garden isn't producing a whole lot, and I'm wondering maybe I need a different herbicide in some of these crops. Well, preen will work in a lot of different crops. Yeah, That's preen, basically preen would be tri- labeled in tomatoes and, and onions. The, the active ingredient is trifluralin, and that would be our recommendation. But that would not be a good choice in sweet corn. Right. In sweet corn, I like the metolachlor that yes. you're doing. That'll be a better deal for you. Uh, so that would be a few things. As far as the ants go, we like pyrethroid insecticides. If you want to spray and kill them, uh, you could use something like cyfluthrin, which is labeled as bathroid or tempo, a number of different applications for household use for crops and so forth. Uh, if, if you say, I really don't want to use an insecticide, 
I know some people will do things like boric acid and sugar, mixing that together and putting it out kind of as a poisonous bait for the for the bugs or uh, cornmeal. I've seen heard people using cornmeal, uh, a lot of different things they can do. But whenever we see ants like out in our fields, we're always looking to see are there aphids. Because aphids will excrete sugars uh, out the back end, and ants are attracted to that. So you may have some other insect problems going on out in there too. So if all you're seeing is ants, um, I would I would just go ahead and treat for the ants with with a pyrethroid insecticide is what I would do. Thanks for the questions. Really appreciate that, Daniel. And good luck here on the on the gardening. Uh, get one from Josh down in Nebraska, and Josh got a cover crop question for us. Brian says I. I We've, we've been running an eight-way blend on cover, 65 pounds per acre. Uh, we're putting liquid manure on these fields. As you can imagine, fertility values are pretty high. We've been putting out a blend with oats, triticale, winter wheat, barley, rye, radish, and a couple different kinds of clover. It's been great for weed suppression. It's added to our yields. Uh, it's been great conditions to plant into. We like that. But what would you think if we, we went down to uh, – a cut simple cover crop blend just with rye and radish as a blend. We would only need 40 pounds of seed per acre. It would cost us a little less. Do you think that we'd be wasting time and money uh, by doing this big blend and we could get by with something cheaper? I think you could. I really think you could. So I, well, I the mean, easy way to do it is just to look, do, experiment try, a little bit. Exactly. If you got something that's working and you're making money, why quit doing it? Why not just take 10 acres and right. start this new blend and say, yep. okay, well, let's try it the other way and we'll see what happens. Yep, exactly. Uh, okay, so, uh, hopefully that gives you a good idea there, Josh. we got another cover crop question. This comes from Hattie. What kind of cover crop should we use on heavy soil? What considerations would you have when you get into a heavier soil situation? Maybe the only thing would be different than a light soil would be just the compaction end of it. And that's where we talk so much about turnips and radishes to try to bust up compaction. Now, as we say that, we don't want you to just raise turnips and radishes by themselves for one thing, like radish, for example, doesn't help you at all for mycorrhiza fungi supports. You need something for that to keep those biologicals going for next year. But anyway, I other than that, I don't I don't know. There's there's nothing much I can think of other than to say I may consider an earlier termination. So if I worry about being able to get back out there because it's heavy, wet soil, I might terminate a little early in the fall before even winter kill takes that out. That way you've got a better chance to get in there in the spring. All right, thanks for the thanks for the question. I appreciate that. Uh, you got a couple of comments. This one comes from Adrian. He said, uh, saw your video on Farming on the Contour, which was a farm basics uh, and it really helped me understand. I, I had a lot of misunderstandings about why farmers are doing that. Really appreciate that. Hey, thanks, Adrian. And get one from Dan. He said, good job, guys. I've learned a lot from your show. Thanks for all the hard work you're putting in. Hey, really appreciate that, Dan. Uh, it's good to, good to get that kind hey, of Hey, Darren, feedback. this morning we were out doing some filming, and you just mentioned there was a farmer who asked about what is V3 corn? What does that mean exactly? When we say V3, that's three-collar corn. And so you can look this up. Go to Iowa State or any of the universities, but just look Look at V3 corn or three collar corn, and it's where that corn at the bottom of the leaf, leaf it looks very much like a shirt, shirt collar. Yeah, so basically where that leaf is attaching to the stem, once it gets uh, out and spread out, then it looks kind of like a shirt collar. That's a fully developed leaf collar. So V3, you might be able to find six or seven actual leaves on the plant, but it's still only V3 because it's only three collars. 
Yep, that's a good tip, especially if you're out pulling plant tissue analysis. You want to make sure you have fully developed leaf collar on the leaf that you're pulling. Thanks for ever, to everybody who sent in questions or called in today. We really appreciate all the feedback and the discussion. And thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.